Welcome to Pudo Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined today by City Hall reporter Joshua Fector and no one else. They all That's right. This. It's just going to be two of us. Yeah. We're just, yeah, we're just going to totally like take over the whole thing. Um, we're recording this on the morning of uh, Monday, May 24th, which is Bob Dylan's 80th birthday, wishing him well, wherever he is right now. Oh, and uh, it's also, yeah. Uh, and it's also the first day of early voting for the San Antonio city council runoffs. We've got five of the 10 city council districts, um, facing runoffs and uh we'll know on june 5th what the what the result is going to be and josh i wanted to start off talking about the three races that involve incumbents and one that i think has has gotten a lot of attention is is district one you know this is this district always i mean it's it's um one that kind of uh will always get more attention in the city than some of the others you know it's rooted in downtown we've had questions about the redevelopment of Alamo Plaza. And then this, all these things are in play when you're talking about district one, there you've got uh, uh, incumbent Roberto Trevino being challenged by uh, Mario Bravo, who's been kind of an environmental activist, public health advocate um, over the years. What, what stands out to you about, about that race? Yeah. So it's, I find, you know, Trevino of a, a fairly interesting figure, you know, over the past couple of years, um, you know, or, or at least in this last term, like he's really come out as kind of this sort of progressive insurgent on the council. Like he's often gone sort of toe to toe with the mayor on on, you know, many of the mayor's key priorities. You think of, you know, ready to work. He opposed that um, he voted against the uh the method by which uh, the city plans to continue the Edwards Aquifer program. Uh, you know, he was sort of really banging the drum for uh, more aid to restaurants and bars. And, you know, that, that has kind of, that's somewhat alienated some of his colleagues. It's, it's sort of puzzled the mayor. And, you know, now he's, you know, in this, you know, really tough reelection fight against Mario Bravo, um, who's kind of capitalizing on, you know, discontent in some of the neighborhoods, um, particularly in Delview, uh, where, you know, neighbors are, are upset with Trevino about, you know, how he's sort of handled the homeless situation. Um, you know, at his field office, he allows, um, uh, those who are experiencing homelessness to sort of um, to 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 camp out and to also you know seek services uh, from the office and that and that's really upset you know some of the uh, you know nearby residents who you know say you know it's it's kind of led to sort of safety issues um, that it's it's sort of difficult to get through to the councilman um, so I, I think it's fairly interesting that you've that you've uh, you know another thing on on top of this is that um, you know D one is is the mayor's territory um, you know it's 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 very um, you know he wins by larger margins there than you know the rest of the city uh, and you know I I tend to think that you know only insiders and people who are really really into uh, city politics care that perhaps Trevino is has you know 
buck the mayor on on sort of key issues. Um, but you know, I, I wonder to what degree um, he uh, is is facing also backlash for you know how he handled sort of the the Alamo Plaza project. Um, it was it was particularly notable, um, you know, in sort of my analysis of you know where the votes came from that Mario Bravo won King William, um, which you know had gone for Trevino in the previous election. Um, he won. He he basically split King William and and won it by like four or five votes. And you know, I was talking to folks who live in in the district or live in the neighborhood. And, you know, I was hearing a lot about sort of how, you know, Trevino uh, was kind of noncommittal about, you know, the future of the Woolworth building, for example, like it gets that sort of narrow. Um, And so, you know, either person you get is going to be a fairly sort of left leaning progressive uh, person. Like it's, it's basically progressive against progressive. Um, one of the things that's been fascinating to me with Trevino is what a lightning rod he's been, you know, because, um, you know, four years ago, he got challenged by Marco Montano, uh, who was, you know, kind of challenging him from the left. And, and I think the, the, there was a, a, a sense among, um, you know, some of the opponents to Trevino at the time that he was, you know, someone who was kind of in bed with developers and kind of, um, you know, that, that was, that was kind of the criticism of him. And then two years later, he got, he got challenged, you know, by sort of a, a business friendly opponent saying that he had been hostile to business. And he, he's, he's, he's made some people on the right unhappy with, you know, he was, he, he kind of led the way against, uh, having Chick-fil-A, um, in the, in the airport, having the, as part of the, the concessions deal because of, uh, their, you know, their, their sort of historic, um, opposition to, to gay rights. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, there, there are people who are opposing him now who again say that, you know, they're, they're looking at his, at his business connections and his, and the, the donations he's gotten from developers. So he's, he tends to get kind of criticized on, on, on both ends. What I right. think and, fascinates me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and just on that, you know, he was the, the first time that I kind of start interacting with him is, is during the, uh, debate over downtown incentives um, back in 2018. You know, you'd had basically this decade of, of you'd had the decade of downtown, but you also had, you know, underlying that, you know, all of these sort of incentives for uh, for downtown housing, you know, market rate or luxury housing, you know, housing that's that's sort of, uh, you know, out of out of range for for most San Antonio households and certainly you know poorest San Antonio residents, and you know he he will still sort of defend the uh, the merits of of that program. He's also a defender of the uh, of the public facility corporation housing deals, which are which basically give um, you know you know centuries long or century long. Uh, property tax breaks to to create uh housing that oftentimes is not um particularly affordable and what's interesting about that is you know he's now in this other term you know becoming like sort of this you know sort of he's fashioned himself as this crusader for the homeless and also this crusader for 
uh, you know, sort of low income residents trying to set up a renter's commission, trying to, uh, uh, you know, get more funds for, for rental assistance and utility assistance for, for needy households. And, you know, some folks I talked to kind of were of, of the feeling that, you know, he's spending a lot of the sort of back half of his council career, you know, fighting against some of the things that were caused by and perhaps caused by the first half of his council career. Yeah. And that, that might get to where he, why, you know, he, he has been a lightning rod, but I mean, it's, what's interesting about Mario Bravo's campaign is that, um, Mario Bravo, I think would, would certainly identify himself as a progressive, but in, in at least a couple of ways, he's sort of maybe positioned himself somewhat to the right of Roberto Trevino. Roberto Trevino was the only uh, council member to come out in favor of uh, Proposition B, which would have repealed collective bargaining for the police union. Uh, Mario Bravo has not taken a position on that. He has he has talked about uh, supporting police reform, but he, he did not come out in favor of Proposition B. And he's also which uh, criticized... Uh, which, you know, the, the Prop B um, posi- or the lack of, of position on Prop B from Bravo actually puts him, uh, you know, out of step with with District 1. Uh, District 1 yeah, you went pointed for that Prop out. B yeah. you know, more, uh, you, know, you know, more fervently than any other part of the city. Um, but it doesn't yeah. that doesn't seem to have benefited Trevino at all. If, after all, he is in a runoff. Right, right, um, and and uh, on the issue of of Trevino uh, allowing his field office uh, to be uh, to have uh, homeless people sort of congregate there, uh, his uh, his justification for it has been that um, they go there so that his uh, staff members can connect uh, the, uh, you know homeless people to to services that that are available in the city, but it's it's angered uh, you know Delview neighborhood residents who think that it's, you know, they, they're unhappy about having, uh, you know, homeless people congregating or camping in that area. And Mario Bravo actually has a mailer where, uh, in which he says, uh, he's using a quote from Aretha Trevino, uh, where he said, try to stop me, uh, when he was, he was talking about, um, you know, allowing the homeless to, to stay at near his field office. Uh, the Bravo mailer says, the Roberto says, try to stop me, uh, uh to working families, uh, tr- uh, who are trying to protect their families. So, um, so it, it, it's, uh, it's been an interesting take that he, that he, he's, it's not necessarily, uh, Mario Bravo saying that Trevino should, should kick the homeless out of there. But I think he's, um, he's, he has seen that this is an area of vulnerability for him and he's, he's criticized him for it. Yeah. And you know, Delview, it, it, it certainly worked in, in Delview, which, you know, the, um, you know, Ernest Salinas, who's the head of the Neighborhood Association, you know, was saying, like, you know, he, Trevino doesn't pay attention to us because we don't vote. And, um, you know, which was his kind of analysis of this. And, you know, they turned out fairly heavily to to oppose him, um, even though, you know, he didn't or to oppose Trevino. Um, Mario Bravo was able to get, you know, the most the most votes in the in the neighborhood, but he's, he still didn't quite clear, uh, a majority, um, you know, and, and it's also, you know, it's, it's kind of this, uh, this thing that I'm, that I'm thinking about in terms of sort of the general sort of overall, you know, ideological pitch of the council, um, where like, if you, 
if you know the, we're getting into other races now but you know if Jalen McKee Rodriguez and and Terry Castillo um you know pull it out in sort of district two and district five you know uh and Trevino makes it out of uh this this runoff uh you know you're gonna see kind of this block of of progressive votes so, I mean like how district one you know, sort of turns out as as well as these other ones, um, you know, is really going to determine yeah. whether that comes to fruition. Right. Before we move to District 2, I wanted to point out that uh, Trevino has gotten endorsed um, by Texas Organizing Project. He's gotten endorsed by Maria Berizabel, who is, you know, a, a, a pioneer, the first Latina uh, council member, elected council member in San Antonio, uh, by Diego Bernal, a progressive state representative who who was a District 1 council member himself. So um, it, it certainly uh, there that is evidence that um, his uh, his uh, push, I think, on, on certain progressive causes in over the last few years has, uh, has you know, that, that's I think we see some some political benefit for him there. Um, also, the underlying all this is the fact that a lot of people think Roberto Trevino is eyeing a run for mayor uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of years. He would he would say no, probably. But um, but that's that's a possibility. And then there's some thought that, you know, if if um, Mario Bravo uh, comes up short in this election, that, he, you know, in two years when um, Roberto Trevino is, is term limited out, uh, Mario Bravo will make a, another run there. Um, in District 2 on the east side, we've got uh, Jada Andrews Sullivan first term council member um, being challenged by a former aide to her, uh, Jalen McKee Rodriguez, who's a, a high school math teacher. And this has been a really lively race because Jalen has criticized um, things that he saw and things that he experienced um, as, as a member of, of her staff, right? Yeah, um, you know, he's complained that, you know, chief of staff, um, Lou Miller, who's chief of staff for Jada Andrew Sullivan, um, you know, was was discriminating him against him because he was a gay man. You know, he, um, you know, he, he would often, according to Jalen, you know, tell him to tone down his outfits, give him, you know, greater workload than um, other people in the office. And, you know, you kind of you kind of don't. I would think that you would not want to be running against, you know, a former, you know, sort of employee who's, who's, who's fairly disgruntled, you know, he's filed complaints, um, against them. Um, but you know, that's, that's animating the race, but I mean, that's not all that, that Jalen's running on. Um, you know, he's also, uh, you know, he's, he's making the case that, um, that basically, you know, Jada Andrew Sullivan is just, plainly sort of not responsive uh to to her constituents you know a lot of his closing arguments have centered around like he she doesn't respond to calls she doesn't respond to you know emails messages i've talked to to folks over in in d2 who who feel that way and you know she's countering that of course she does do that um but also yeah, a lot of her closing argument is centered around this idea that you know district two hasn't had a consistent council member for you know the past you know several years um yeah over the past seven years six council members uh, i think right. i mean it's probably her strongest argument like that we don't want to like you know too much change but on the other hand people would say well the reason we've had so many council members is because we've 
you know, some of it, we've had problems with some of them and, and, and they would say the same about her, I guess. Right. And, you know, it's, it's also, you're also seeing kind of the same sort of arguments that you're seeing in D1 play out to a certain extent. Um, you know, he's trying to tar her with sort of like you're in developers pockets and, and, and all that. I mean, you can, you can go look at her campaign finance report and, and, and see, um, you know, she is taking donations from developers, um, particularly, you know, Mitch Meyer is, is somebody who stands out. Um, but yeah. You know, on the you know, on the other hand, you know what she's she's coming back and saying, look, like you've got all this outside money um, that's that's pouring into your campaign, which a lot of it is is sort of the result of, you know, uh, you know his. I believe um, he was his his parents, um, either his father or his mother was was in the military, so they moved around a lot. Um, so right. you know, he he has contacts and and friends from all over the country who are pouring into his campaign. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably the most uh, acrimonious of of the yeah. five races um, because you have sort of right. that uh, that that personal connection there, and that and then mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. that workplace drama that's sort of underlying all of this. Right, and that takes us to what is probably the most ideologically. Um, tense or the, the the race that has the most ideological conflict which is district nine you got john courage who is you know is a longtime uh democrat um had run for various offices and then was able to get elected to uh, city council in a conservative district in 2017 and he's been able to hold on to the seat uh, thus far because he came in with the idea that i'm not going to be a partisan figure i'm not going to be this uh really ideological figure. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the residents. I'm going to, um, be, be open. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, listen to their concerns. Um, and I think that a lot of, he does have a lot of support in, in the district because of that, but you're, he's being challenged by Patrick Von Dolan, who's coming at it with the, the very much the conservative argument. This is the one city council district that Donald Trump carried in 2020. And he's, He's a proud Trump supporter. And um, the thing that's, that struck me about this race is that Von Dolan is someone who, he co-founded the San Antonio Family Association, which has really devoted itself over the past 10 years to trying to um, block, uh, you know, progress for the LGBT community. He, he went before the, the commissioner's court a couple of years ago, uh, protesting the fact that they were going to give him uh, passing a resolution recognizing uh, Pride San Antonio's parade and festival. And he called um, uh, sexual relations between two men, uh, you know, deviancy and said that it causes infection and, and unhealthiness and so on. But he's, when he, during this campaign, he's fo focusing more on, I'm just the, I'm about freedom and, and let's get businesses going again. And when he's been asked about this history of his, um, he'll, he kind of uses code language and he'll say, well, I'm, yeah, you know, for instance, he was on, on, uh, Texas public radio last week. He was asked, what about your history of opposing, um, gays and lesbians getting appointed to boards and commissions? And he'll say, well, I'm not, it's not that it's, uh, I just don't, if anyone, but if anyone promotes unhealthiness, then I have a problem with that. Well, he has said repeatedly that he thinks that, um, same sex relationships are, are unhealthy. They are, they actually cause bad health. And so 
that's, I think, his way of dealing with it. So he's, um, he's not running away from these positions, but he's kind of using code language to soften it because um, I think he senses that conservative can win there, but he doesn't want to necessarily appear as extreme as his history would suggest that he is. I mean, what, what's your view on that? Well, yeah, this is kind of uh, sort of not directly uh, confronting that, but you know, I what I think is kind of interesting slash bizarre about how this is how this is playing out is you know I look at you know District Nine and you know how the mayor fared there. Um, you know, last time I believe he did not uh win district nine but this time he he won district nine by you know with 55 percent of the vote um which you know suggests some degree of of conservative um you know maybe conservative leaning independents that are that are coming over um you know at the same time uh you've got um you know trump uh, one district nine in in November, um, it, to me it suggests you know sort of a, a confusing and uh, you know sort of territory for 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 mm-hmm. Kirch to navigate here. Um, yeah, he's also not having to deal with with Prop B being on the ballot. That undoubtedly drove out a lot of a lot of conservatives who. Who you know sort of heavily opposed um, Prop B on the north side, um, so he's not going to have that. And I wonder if if you know how Patrick Von Dolan is is going to deal with that not being on the ballot. Um, but you're really talking about having sort of this um, you know sort of this you know conservative culture warrior on on the council um, yeah. if if he manages to prevail here, which is not something that. It's kind of like the you know the progressive block on council like you know you normally don't um, or or th- that could form after these these runoffs you don't typically see something like that pop up on the council and you also don't see much room for people to do sort of like culture warrior kind of grandstanding yeah. um, on the yeah. council there's it's it's a lot of you know it's tax incentives for to lure employers it's roads it's uh you know dealing with budgets and budget shortfalls and and things of that nature um so you know he i'm i would be curious to see like how exactly he would he would navigate that but you know he would be you Mm -hmm. know a a a serious outlier on on the council i mean like there's there's nobody on the council who is who is stridently anti-LGBTQ. I mean, I think it's fairly safe to say that like most, if not all of, you know, the folks on, on, on council are, are pro-LGBTQ. And, and, and And it's it's just, it's interesting to see that pop up now, like after so many years of, of gay marriage being legal. I mean, he's been hostile to contraception. His his San Antonio Family Association, which, by the way, he he sometimes will distance himself a little bit and say, "Well, that's that's you know, I have an affiliation with him." But he co-founded it. He will at times get up and speak and say, "I'm Patrick Vondola on behalf of the Family Association." But he kind of he's the he chairman. Kind of plays an interesting game there. 
Yeah, you know, but he but at times he'll say, "Well, that's I have this this group that I'm, you know, I'm I have some connection to them, you know." Uh, when he gets called out on certain things, but I mean, the, the Family Association has uh, years ago when when San Antonio was getting federal money to help with the teen contraception program, the San Antonio Family Association, Von Dolan's organization, called it called it rape, and so uh, and he is, you know, this is someone who um, he's basically acknowledged that even when Governor Abbott had the statewide mask mandate that Von Dolan was not wearing a mask. Um, I think he, uh, in a text message that he sent me the other day, he referred to Ron Nuremberg as our socialist mayor. So he would be kind of a, a Marjorie Taylor Green on the local level uh, in San Antonio, someone just as a disruptive force who I don't necessarily think would be out to to pass a lot of uh, ordinances, but would, would want to be, uh, you know, kind of disrupt the activities of the other council members, but because there are conservatives who want to see another conservative get in there so badly, we've seen the Bear County Republican Party have a fundraiser for him. We've seen, um, you know, former uh, Congressman Lamar Smith backing him. Some other prominent Republican figures have backed him. So it's uh, San Antonio Police Officers Association has has supported him. So it's I've been. Uh, maybe mildly surprised at people willing to uh, lend their names to, uh, you know, a campaign, the campaign of someone who has a strong history as an extremist, but um, we're going to see what happens with that. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the district three and district five races uh, district three. I kind of, kind of unkindly refer to it as the, the nepotism election, but we've got um, Phyllis Villagran, who's trying to inherit the, the seat that her, um, sister Rebecca has held for eight years versus Tomasi Resti, who's a former state representative whose career was really bolstered by his brother's, uh, the effect of his brother, Carlos Uresti, who was a state senator. And then Carlos has had his, his problems with the law. And I think that's, that has detrimentally affected Tomasi Uresti's campaign. Um, what I, I don't think there's a big, you know, any big policy disagreement there, right? It's pretty much coming down to like which South side family can get out the vote better would, would you say yeah i would say so um you know the the only thing that i can that i can really detect here is that you know you know on her time you know during her time as as you know uh council member you know rebecca Viagran has been kind of like this very sort of like um you know sort of development friendly like you know she's really tight with you know leo gomez um of brooks um, you know, really trying to bring a lot of sort of economic development uh, to, you know, the Southeast side. And, you know, I can see, you know, you know, in my conversations with her, Phyllis kind of taking that on to some degree, like, you know, sort of continuing that. But, you know, to my mind, she also seems, you know, a little bit more, you know, neighborhood, community focused. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... One thing, the thing that I can, yeah, I cannot detect a real ideological debate here. Um, you know, this was something that was a little bit of, you know, you know, a thorn in the side of, of everybody else who was running for, uh, for a council mm -hmm. in that district during the, you know, the May 1st run, uh, election is just look like you just want these same two names running the South side for forever. Um, sure. Yeah, you know, we need some fresh voices, and you know, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like that. I mean, it, it's certainly not going to happen. Um, you know, this mm -hmm. go around. Yeah, um, our last 
council runoff district five on the west side shirley gonzalez is uh you know is term limited out after eight years and so we've got uh, terry castillo who uh, is very much a movement progressive running against rudy lopez uh who was a civilian employee of the san antonio police department he's been involved in the, as neighborhood association president you've also got kind of an uh, a generation gap there i think he's 51 and she's 29 um what what do you what should people look out for in that district yeah so you can look to see sort of rudy running kind of this more moderate sort of business friendly uh race there for the next couple of weeks um you know he's got the backing of of shirley gonzalez who's you know sort of the outgoing councilwoman um you know and sort of and sort of the ideological conflict there it appears to be sort of, uh, you know, between uh, sort of about, you know, how, you know, the, the West side is going to deal with sort of like a wave of, you know, development and, you know, economic activity. You know, they border uh, downtown on the West side. That's where, you know, UTSA is, you know, you know, in the midst of sort of this uh, big expansion um, and you're going to see, I mean, you're already seeing property values, you know, go, go way up on, on the West side, um, you know, near the campus. Uh, so, you know, you're seeing kind of this, this debate play out over, you know, well, how, how do you have that sort of development while also sort of shielding residents? Um you know, I mentioned the gentrification question and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what's at the 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 core of of, of the D five debate, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, yeah, and you know, Terry, we should we should note was you know fairly involved with, um, or I should say, probably you know, organizing against sort of the the renovation or the planned renovation of the Alazan Apache uh, courts. You know, that was. You know, sort of this, this bitter, contentious fight between sort of community organizers and the San Antonio Housing Authority to sort of, uh, you know, revamp you know the 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 state's oldest sort of low income housing development to sort of replace it with some degree of of mixed income and to sort of do that. You know that that has been sort of put off for now, but she was she was involved in in that fight. Um, yeah, and. You're, but you know Terry's also drawn the backing of of you know the Texas Organizing Project, and you know mm-hmm. interestingly, you know she's she's snagged the endorsement of County Commissioner Justin Rodriguez. So you're seeing kind of this this divide yeah. among the sort of the West Side electeds over sort of the direction of the district in playing out in this race. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're going to leave things there. Um, hope everyone's doing well. Thank you so much for listening in and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.